Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mondo Show. Stay tuned because if you want to learn about how to overcome adversity, but also stand without compromising the word of God, I want you to stay tuned because my special guest made it all the way from Pasadena, California to the Orange Couch. It's becoming a a place where people like you that have a voice, people like Jason Sobo, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, Chris Reed has been on the Orange Couch, but I wanted you, Pastor Cheon, to be on the Orange Couch. I've admired you from afar. Is that okay? Well, thank you. And of course, you did Skype. We were on the show during the lockdown by Skype, right? But so, you made it back I'm to the here. Orange Couch. I am. What an honor to sit on the Orange Couch. Listen, my honor is beyond words because you are a man that have stood the test of time. Here, the world said you're no good. Yeah. The world said a lot of things about you, yeah. yet God had a different plan. Yes. Right? And Absolutely. you're a former... I, I had to write it down because you talked about how you were... You had problems growing up with drugs. And, and, and then again, your dad was a Baptist preacher. How does a Baptist preacher's son get into drugs and well, lose its way? A lot of it was circumstantial. And what I mean by that, when I was two years old, my dad got the visa to immigrate to the United States, but we were not given a visa. So I was separated from my dad, not because he wanted to separate, but for three years until I was five, I didn't even know my dad. And of course, Mm. when you're two, you don't really know your father. And so he left during that period. So I was basically raised by a single mom. And then when we did finally get the permission to immigrate and got the visa, my dad was working two jobs just to survive as newly new family, right? Support the family. So he was pastoring on weekends, but he was a dental technician. He went back to school, became a dental technician, got his certificate. And so he was working as a dental technician Monday through Friday. He started his own business. My mom helped him. So both of them were working. So even though I was reunited with my dad, I didn't see him. I didn't know him. And I think that's a problem with a lot of the problems with young people today is that they are fatherless. Uh, And, you know, the Mm. word orphan in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word yatem, which means to be fatherless. doesn't say uh, your parents are both dead, but just your father's missing. You could have a mom and still be an orphan. And so that's what I'm seeing with a lot of kids uh, who are in prison, like 80% of those men who are incarcerated grew up without a dad. So the fatherlessness is a big problem. We got to fix this. We do. And that's why I believe we're in the period of Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. He's going to send the prophet Elijah, and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts Mm. of the children to the fathers. Or he's going to strike the land with a curse. Man, I, words, I, pr- I preached about that during Father's Day. You're preaching my sermon. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's more than a Father's Day message. It's something we really have to live out uh, 24-7 all year round because uh, the next generation, I believe all these transgender issues, all the LGBTQ issues, it's because uh, they're growing up And we got to talk about this issue, yeah. right? We got we to gotta make sure we talk about, listen, I, I'm a horrible interviewer because Today, my special guest is the president of Harvest International Ministry, a global apostolic network in over 65 nations. Uh, I want to tell you something, Pastor Cheon. I almost met, named my son Che. Oh, really? You know, after because, Che Guevara? Yeah. But then after reading a little bit about him, I said, ooh, I can't do that to my son. You know he's, what I mean? Yeah, he's a communist revolutionist. Oh, man, yeah. we don't want that. Today, my son's name is Mateo de la Vega. And, but I love... 
that you're not afraid to stand up for what you believe in. Yeah, so I say I'm a Jesus revolutionist now, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, the Lord gave me the name Che, same as that famous Che Guevara, but uh, same spelling. But, uh, you know, what happened was is that uh, my parents realized I was in trouble because I was doing drugs at a very young age. I was 15. when I, By the time 15, I had done everything, heroin, cocaine, LSD, speed, uh, you name it, I was doing it. And by the time I was 17, I was a drug addict wow. and pushing uh, $2,000 I was making every month. So thousands of dollars. So 2,000 profit. I'm, I'm, I'm selling like five pounds of marijuana every week, hundreds, thousands of hits of LSD every month. And, um, and besides the other drugs, but those were the two money makers. But, but the point is, is that my parents knew they had a problem on their hand. I was in jail when I was 15. I became a high school dropout. Now think about this. Mondo, because the whole purpose of immigrating is to get an education, especially for Asians. Yes. They emphasize studying, being the top of your class, so you could have the American success dream. Uh, I was a high school dropout. I committed the unpardonable oh, sin. I committed the sin man. of all sins to drop out of school. <laughs> and so my parents didn't know what to do but just to pray. And I just want to encourage people, don't stop praying for your prodigal. Mm. You know, I, I think of one of the key verses I know for uh, Jim Baker is mm-hmm. Acts sixteen thirty one. Believe on the Lord Jesus, you and your family will be saved. Wow! And so that's what my parents did. They prayed for me, and uh, my grandmother, who just passed away at the age of one hundred and one, uh, around five seven years ago now. But she passed away. She prayed for me. Mm. And I say this: if your grandmother's praying for you, you don't have a chance. Oh, <laughs> you <man>. will get <laughs> saved. And so, and so anyway, so I got radically saved when I was seventeen. How? Man, this is so awesome. Because when I look at you right now, you're on point. You, the way you dress, the shoes you're wearing, your hair, <laughs> everything about you. And listen, we're going to talk about the brand new book, Turning Our Nation Back to God Through Historic Revival. I believe one of the moments of key revival moments is going to be what you just mentioned about fatherhood. There's got to be a revival in fatherhood because masculinity is being attacked from every direction. Right. And I want to tell you something. If there's going to be a revival, I believe that it's going to have to take you in order to make this work. Because if, if you don't stand and stop compromising, listen to me, stop compromising with the culture about what you believe in in this word. You have to read the word. You, have, you can't take it out of context because then you have what they used to call longhorn sermons. A point here, a point there, and a lot of bull in between. Yeah. And, oh, man, I'm sorry, Pastor. No, no, that's, <laughs> no, it's the truth. You're speaking the truth in love. And so, no, I, I totally believe that. And uh, one of the best things that happened to me is that my dad, being a traditional Southern Baptist pastor, uh, asked me to go to seminary. He said, will mm. you do me a favor? And uh, so to honor my dad, I went to Fuller Seminary, not knowing I was going to be there for eight years. I got my Master of Divinity and my doctorate. And uh, I studied under some of the finest uh, New Testament scholars during that time. And so um, I, I'm grateful for that because I, I was full of the Holy Spirit, got saved during the Jesus People Movement, but I needed to be grounded in the Word. And so, you know, the, the Bible says we're to worship Him in spirit and in and truth. truth. And Jesus came full of grace, the Holy Spirit, and truth. And so we need both the Word and the Spirit. And I think that's what is kind of missing in the church. Because either you're evangelical, very strong in the Word, but you don't have the anointing, the power of the Holy oh, Spirit, man. or you're so full of the Holy Spirit, but you're exegeting 
uh, out of context and not properly looking at Scripture the way it should be read. And so we need that balance, and I believe that he's bringing that balance forth in the body of Christ as we're maturing. I love the church, Pastor. I know a lot of people have a problem with the church. I know the church hasn't been fair to you probably. Maybe you got abused in the church. Maybe I don't know what's happened to you, but listen, don't lose hope in the church. The Bible says, I will build my church. There's power in the church. There's power. God chose the church for this hour. And, and, and listen, Pastor, you got to help me understand this. Why do we need the church? What, what is it about the church that Jesus emphasized that I will build my church? Right. Well, the other key verse is Ephesians 5, 25. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for the church. If Jesus laid down his life for the church, then we need to lay down our life for the church. Mm. In other words, there are three things that are eternal. The word of God is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away by my words will never pass away. He said that twice in the gospels. Second, the kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The rule and reign of God is going to continue even when he comes back and it's going to continue to advance. But the church is eternal. We will not perish, but have eternal life. Those who believe the church is not a building it is people, That's the it. called out ones, those who are born again, and you're the church. And so, uh, so he's so committed to the church because from the very beginning, he wanted a family. He created Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But unfortunately they sinned. So he used another family to begin the restoration, picked Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac, and even bringing it all the way down to Jesus was Joseph and Mary, mm. and another family wow. to bring about the restore family, the church. There, Jesus himself said, who are my brothers and sisters, my mother? He pointed to his disciples, the church, and said, this is my mom, this is my brothers, this, these are my sisters, so to speak. It was a metaphor for the church being his family. And so that's why we must love what he loves, and we must love each other. I mean, he gives us this commandment over and over again. Yeah. Uh, of course, he says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. But in uh, John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment I give you, to love one another. He's talking to the disciples, as I've loved you. And what did he do? He just demonstrated that love by washing their feet. and uh, Humble. Humble himself. Yeah, but it was more than that, because when he took off his clothes, is a picture of him laying aside his deity, that he did that for us. Even though he's full of God, Philippians chapter 2, yeah. he became a man, but not just a man, a bondservant. That oh. shows you how much he loves that, that's us. That's so much different than today's leaders, Pastor, especially oh, yeah. young leaders. I'm worried about the young leaders today yeah. because young leaders are compromising for a reputation. They're compromising for likes and comments and going viral, yet they're missing the very element that you're just teaching yeah. about. Well, one of my life verses, Galatians 1.10, and it says, if I'm trying to please men, then I'm not a true servant of Christ. So a true servant is trying to please God and not please men. We just want to be popular. We want people to like us. We want the like to be checked. We want people to come to our church. And who doesn't? I, I get that, but you don't have that as a priority over your uh, love and honor of God. I want to please him first and foremost. So that means I'm going to have to speak the truth and love to my people. I, I may say something that they're not going to like. They're not, it's not going to be popular, but I'm to preach the whole counsel of God. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're so driven by trying to please people instead of pleasing God, we'll compromise the message. And that's why mm -hmm. we don't speak out against abortion. We don't speak out on same-sex marriage or uh, the LGBTQ 
issues of yeah. today because we don't want to offend. But see, that's not true agape love. Philippians 1, 9 says we're to love with wisdom and discernment. And, of course, the great chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13, he says love doesn't rejoice with evil, but rejoices with the truth. Abortion is evil, and mm -hmm. we can't placate society and just not talk about it. Do you think, just going Pastor, away. that is, is it because people, especially church leaders, meaning pastors, and listen, I'm not beating up. I, I'm a church leader. I'm a church, I'm yes. part of the pastoring group and, and evangelists and, and whatever you want to call us. But we, when we see the attacks, when we talk about issues, I don't think we're willing to pay the price behind the scenes. No, no. And, I, and you, listen, you're watching a man that made the headlines. You did something that is unorthodox, meaning who challenges Gavin Newsom? Who challenges the governors of, of their own state? Yeah. Why did you feel like a pastor, a man of God, yeah. an evangelist, an apostle, should even be dealing and challenging and suing the government. You know, we were taught in school, I'm talking about public school, that no one's above the Constitution. Mm. The Constitution is the law. And when Governor Newsom swore on the Bible to uphold, defend the Constitution, and the First Amendment of the Constitution is that the state would not interfere with a free exercise thereof. And when he locked down the church that were not essential, I mean, think about it. He said marijuana dispensaries are essential. Abortion clinics are essential. Wow. Liquor stores are essential. A strip club in San Diego is essential. But not a church. But not a church. And we just said, you know what? He's interfering with a free exercise thereof. Now, he did open the church for one month, which just only 10% could attend. But even in that time, he said no singing or chanting. He was telling us not to worship. So you talk about not interfering with a free exercise thereof. And so we got uh, upset, and we just said, you know what? We're going to obey the Bible. At this point, it's not Romans 13, because Romans 13 says we're to submit to governing authority if they're doing what's right. Now, he's doing what's evil, and he's shutting down the church and really trying to quiet the church. And we felt like we need to meet. We had to obey God based on his word. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of, of the saints, which some are in the habit of doing as you see the day drawing near. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to meet, and, um, and then we also sued Governor Newsom because we realized that unless we settle this in the legal realm, mm -hmm. he's going to come right at us and punish us for opening up. And sure enough, uh, a city attorney in Pasadena sent me a real dark, nasty mm -hmm. letter. One month after the lawsuit, we sued in July. In August, I get this letter. 2020 now. And saying that we're going to arrest you. We're going to find your church members $1,000 per person for every time they've wow. been meeting since May. And we have the right to, re and we reserve the right to arrest your staff and your church members. That's what really set me off. I said, they want to arrest law abiding citizens who simply want to worship Jesus. These are people who pay their taxes, and we haven't done anything wrong. We just want to worship. And, you know, we mitigated. We told those with underlying conditions stay home, watch online, elderly stay home. Uh, we just told the young people, if you're in faith, you want to come, we ask you to wear your mask, um, and we'll take your temperature. If you don't want us to take your temperature, we won't, but we're, we're going to provide that service. And, uh, and we're going to social distance, you know. We're going to scatter because we have a large auditorium, and not everyone's coming, so we f felt we could spread people around. Yeah. But even with that, they said, uh, no, uh, we don't trust you. 
you don't know how to manage your own church, so we're going to lock you down, and we're going to arrest you. And so at that point, uh, by God's grace, uh, we went all the way to the Supreme Court. We had a terrific attorney, Matt Staver, who's a beautiful, spirit-filled believer, Liberty Council, and uh, we won in the courts. And thank God for President Trump, who nominated three Supreme Court justices. If that's all he did, but he did more than that. He had almost 300 federal judges confirmed and nominated under his presidency. For example, it was a federal judge that he appointed in Florida that said wearing a mask on public transportation is unconstitutional. That CDC has no authority to dictate that. It has to be congressional. It has to be on a local level where the people vote for that. Wow. And so all of a sudden, we don't have to wear a mask on planes anymore. But it was a federal judge. Again, elections do have consequences. And so that's why I'm asking those who uh, don't don't neglect the midterm, register and vote, and vote biblically, vote for people who are pro-life, pro-family, and pro-religious wow. liberty. Listen, you write about this in your brand new book, Turning Our Nation Back to God Through Historic Revival. I want you to go to the website. I'm going to put on uh, on the screen a link. If you're not standing for your rights as a Christian, as a person, as a human being, we're watching all of our rights being taken away right before our eyes, and we're not seeing anyone stand up but a few. A few, meaning Pastor Cheon, risking re- his reputation, risking the church, er- members in the church, risking going to, you know, I Financially, believe- but here's how they're doing it. You know, we said for years, you know, thank God we live in America because we see people being beheaded, uh, the Coptic Christians in Egypt, for example, yeah. were beheaded by the Muslim Brotherhood. And so we see that and said, well, it's not going to happen with us. But in many ways, what what's happening with us is even worse because they will fine us millions oh. of dollars. They will lock down the church, cancel, you know, even though you may have a beautiful building, uh, you know, you can't meet and you can't make the mortgage payments. And so their cancel culture is very, very it's devastating. Real. It is real. And, and then your reputation, because I became mud in my city. Oh, the media man. came all over me. They said, who are you to defy the governor? And they called me a selfish pastor. They said I was a super spreader. They said I'm killing my church members. By the way, to this day, we still not have one COVID outbreak Ooh. from our church service. Wow. And we're now, you know, end of uh, September uh, 2022. And so it's, it's, it's uh, because, you know, I, I feel at this the way, we lost 18,000 businesses in California because they just locked down the restaurants. 18,000. If they had just said, we trust you, just mitigate, use wisdom, open up, but you know, make sure that people are spread around, take their temperature, have everyone wear their masks until they start eating. If they had just done that, these businesses would be thriving, but it's devastated our economy as a result of that. And so uh, this is to me, is totalitarian control, is neo-Marxism, yeah. and we are seeing socialism coming through, this ideology coming through California. And by the way, you said, well, that's in California. Thank God I don't live there. But as California goes, so goes the rest of the country. And, um, and so even though California gave us revival, like Jesus People Movement and Azusa Street is also giving us uh, rebellion, the summer yeah. of love of 67, uh, the whole uh, drug culture revolution of the hippie movement, but now we're seeing this leftist ideology coming. You know what I read about your book? I read about miracles taking place in the midst of dark hours. Yes. Let, let's talk about this because our time is going away from us. I want you to experience a miracle in your darkest moment right now. 
You're talking about moments in life that I'm talking about divorce. I'm talking about getting fired from your job after 20, 30 years being there. I'm talking about culture coming against you. I'm talking about your family, you, within your own family, experiencing darkest moments. I can tell you right now, Great Britain is going through a dark moment right now. As we just heard a few hours ago, the, the queen has died. And, and, and it's yeah, a, right. a jubilee. She was just celebrating Yet there's a dark hour in, in Great Britain right now. There's a shift taking place, I believe. But also I read about miracles in our greatest dark moments. Why do you feel like we need to go back to the past in order to understand our now moment of great revivals of the past? Well, we learn from history, of course. And, you know, Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus' spirit of prophecy so when you testify what God has done in the past, you're prophesying your future is bringing encouragement. I think it's really interesting that the queen passed away today because uh, she's been a monarch, I think, like 70 years, uh, 96 years old. And, um, and it's interesting. She gave her life to Jesus Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. Billy Graham led her to the Lord. So she was a believer. And I feel like with Billy Graham passing away in 2018, mm. I feel there's something happening right now. There's Whenever someone famous passes away, there's a shift taking place in culture. There is a, um, really, if I could just say this, I feel we're on the verge of the greatest revival mm. in the history of the church. It's like a grain of wheat wow. that comes to the ground. It remains by itself. But if it dies, it bears tremendous fruit. And for an evangelical monarch, to pass away, I think what God is saying is that he wants to impact kings and wow. queens, people of influence in society. And here's what I mean by that. In uh, Acts 8, Ananias told that Paul, who became Paul from Saul, he's a chosen instrument. He's going to reach the children of Israel. We know he preached to the Jews, went to the synagogue first. The Gentiles, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. But in between that, he said he's going to reach kings. And sure enough, he reached King Agrippa, he went all the way to Nero, Caesar, yeah. preached the gospel. And, and so throughout history, this is just a historical, the revival and harvest is among the poor people, but transformation of society takes place with kings or people of influence. It was Wilberforce, a member of parliament, that ended the slave trade and slavery. Mm. And it was, again, the great awakening that impacted America that ended up uh, bringing about a democratic republic that we have today. And so these were, our founding fathers were people who are kings, not geopolitical monarchs, but, yeah. but people of influence. And I feel what God is saying is that he's going to start raising up the Wilbur forces again, the Esthers, the Daniels, Ooh. the Josephs, to really bring about transformation of society. So I feel like what's happened today is very, very prophetic and very significant uh, that we're going to see major transformation. Of course, we started to see it on June 24th yeah. with the overturn of Roe v. Wade. But even with that, you're talking about a president, Trump, who nominated three Supreme Court justices and uh, all of them kings, if you will, people of influence. Uh, you know, there are only nine judges yeah. uh, on the Supreme Court. And so, so I feel really in the midst of all the shaking and darkness, we're going to see amazing transformation of our society. In the I want to be a part of it. I really believe, listen, we can talk about so much, but I can't let you leave without you praying for us. Amen. I believe in the power of prayer. I, I remember asking God, what if prayer does work? 24 years later, here I am. 
hosting my own program on a national television network and, and being syndicated all over America. A kid that the world said, lock him up, throw the key away. A kid that had no father figure in his life is hosting his own program all because of the power of prayer. And I want to pray with you and, and agree with, or, with Pastor Cheon to for your life to change. Don't miss this great moment of revival in your family. Don't miss this great moment of revival in your culture, in your society, in your community, in your church. And I believe, Apostle, as you release this prayer, it's going to be the beginning of us entering into repentance, entering into turning away from our wicked ways. We want, we want our land to be healed, but we want to be a part of this great revival that you are proclaiming, that the Word of God is promising. Yeah. Can you release that right now I to will. us? I feel I have a prophetic word. You know, the Bible says in Joel 2.28, but also in Acts 2.17, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit mm. upon all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. But then he begins to highlight the losers of society, slaves, women, youth, children, even the elderly were not respected. And he highlights these people because he takes the foolish things to confound the wise. Even you, Mondo, being mm -hmm. Latino, and here you are on a national, is a prophetic sign that God's raising up people who are deemed losers in society. And so you may feel like I'm nobody, I'm marginalized, I don't have this education. It doesn't matter with the Lord. Look at David. You know, he was a bastard child. Uh, the reason why he wasn't brought out in front of Samuel by Jesse, because he was, uh, he was uh, illegitimate. He wasn't one of the ones that came from Jesse's wife. And so yet he became king. And so I believe that God wants to raise you up for such a time as this. So Father, I pray for those who are watching, those who feel left out, marginalized, a loser in society, uneducated, uh, poor, whatever things that you see is standing in the way. With God, all things are possible. You could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And God's going to raise you up because he's put his spirit inside you. And you're a new person in Christ Jesus. And if you haven't, just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I invite you into my life. And his spirit's going to come and quicken your dead uh, spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will come inside you and make you a new person, new creation. From the inside out, he will change you. There's no way we could give up the drugs and the lifestyle that we had if it wasn't for the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit changing us from within. So receive this right now in Jesus' mighty name, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, amen and amen. God bless mm. you. Thank you, Pastor. Apostle, <laughs> man of God, a man for this hour, a man that will help you to turn our nation back to God through the historic revival. Get the book today. Strengthen your spiritual life. Now is the time for restoration in your home. Now is the time for restoration of, of your family and this nation and this culture. I believe the greatest hour that we're in right now is so prophetic that all you have to do is watch the signs and the events that are taking place right now. It's not time to play religion. It's not time to play with and compromise for what the Bible has spoken about for thousands of years. Listen, the Bible is sufficient enough to change your life. It is enough gospel. Oh, man, you're going to get me preaching. My time is almost <laughs> gone. But I want to tell you something. Revival of the past is the same spirit that was moved back then. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The greatest move of God right now is for you to give your life to him and watch what he will do through you. 
Your family will be changed. I believe in family. I believe that God is about to do a revival in family. I believe God is about to put men back in the home. And listen, if you are not there to receive that, you're going to miss the move of God. I got to go. But thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Remember this. Keep the faith. It's going to be all right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.